You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I've been able to go back in my mind this week and see through my life how God's fulfilled this message. Our message comes from chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. We'll get there. Here's where we're going. Do you know that all of us in life have obstacles? It's just part of life. Man, this born of woman, his days are few and full of troubles as sparks fly upward. But I come to you on behalf of the fact that God is always orchestrating everything. God always orchestrates everything. He did so in this birth. Everything that seemed so wrong was so right. Do you realize that there was a man, I, I have four presidents that I just, they're my heroes. I have so many books about them. And the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, was I think for my entire life my favorite. I love reading everything I can about him. But everything in his life, I mean everything, was negative. But God was orchestrating something in that life, man of uh, that man's life. Uh, we needed a president that knew what it was to be wounded. And sorry, I'm not talking about that bullet. I'm talking about in life. He knew what disappointment was. He knew what heart, and it seems like, really, you look at the life of Abraham Lincoln, it's nothing but sorrow. He was born in a little log cabin, and I've seen a picture of that log cabin in Kentucky, and it was nothing. Poverty. They were poor. His dad was a Baptist. He loved God, but his dad was a real strong man. He, he was not warm and friendly to his son. And though Abraham Lincoln was not a sissy, his mother had a great instrumental effect on his life, and she taught him how to be kind and tender. But at age nine, he comes in that little cabin and mother's dead. You talk about a life of sorrow, the person he needed in life. How do you see that God is orchestrating this? Well, God was orchestrating for not only his good, but for our good as a country. We did not need a harsh, cruel man during that Civil War. This country had north and south. Our own country was divided against what? Shooting brother, shooting brother. It was an awful time. It was a sad time. Race against race, a very sad time. We needed a president that was warm-hearted, kind, and loving they said of Abraham Lincoln, he would go unbeknownst to so many people and he'd go to these hospitals and visit both sides. And sat at the side of these dying soldiers and would, would comfort them. You look at any pictures of Abraham Lincoln when he went into office and when he left out of office in just those few, four, four plus years, he, he aged so dramatically. Abraham Lincoln had a little boy and uh, oh, how he, he loved his son, Edward. 
But at age four, Edward suddenly died. Took sick in a matter of just a short time. He had four sons. His next son was Willie. Willie lived in the White House. The White House in those days was a zoo. They said literally it was open to the public and animals, cows, would walk in the hallways of the White House. He could never, if people would come up to their living quarters and knock on the door to try to talk to him. It was like a zoo. It was, no, it was chaos, no guards, anything. Well, he's sick now. They took him to that special room there in the White House. Not only did four-year-old Edward die, but now Willie, 12-year-old, died. Then there was Tad. Tad was a wonderful boy, much like his dad. But Tad, at age 18, died. I'm talking about a mother, three out of the four sons. Only one son outlived him. Uh, Lincoln was such a man in poverty, but he married an aristocrat, aristocrat, and her name was Mary. She had money. She had education. He had none. He, he never went to a public school or a government school or any kind of school. He schooled himself. He got married and such a beautiful lady, but it revealed in time, perhaps maybe in this day we'd call her bipolar. And she turned to sciences and she turned to what we'd call spiritism and had mediums come in. And he tried to always draw her back to God. and She was just strange. After the second boy's death, she went to the living quarters and made all the rooms where she would rest with black curtains and kept them closed all day long. She lived in there, would never come out. Abraham Lincoln was trying to govern a nation that was in a civil war. He needed a wife, but she was never there. She would have anger fits. And finally, they had one afternoon where they took a ride in the carriage in the country, and she said, this has been a wonderful afternoon. Let's go to Ford Theater tonight. Let's watch that play. That was the night he was killed and shot. It was Abraham Lincoln, history will bear this out, that, bore, that, that really uh, carried this nation and the nation he loved and the people saw it and North and South saw it. And, and here is a president that God had all these things happening in his life. He was orchestrating something. I don't know what God's doing in your life. As the singers were singing, I just keep going through the auditorium up on these balconies. And Lord, I see, I see sorrows everywhere. I see things that you're going through as individuals. I'm thinking, why? Well, I, I still have to claim Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. God is doing something in your life today. You may not understand it. I may not understand it. And it may not be where we think this is great for me, but God is not only orchestrating for your good, but for the good of perhaps next generations. Right. Amen. Here's a story before us. It's all bad. It came to pass. 
It came to pass that in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. It's an amazing thing when heathen kings pass laws and regulations on us. The best government, the Federalist Papers tell you this, is limited government. People always have a, <laughs> they have a cow. Oh, those senators and House of Representatives on vacation again. They should be in Washington, D.C. doing work for us. No, keep them on vacation. We don't want any more rules. We don't want any more regulation. We don't want to know this is your square. You stand on that six feet more. You stand there. You stand there. And you guard up and you can't breathe. And, and it is crazy how they want to control us. You can't keep your job. We don't jab you. You can't keep it. You know, you're big boys and girls. If you're sick, stay home. Getting quiet in here now. You're not done with me yet. This is, see, I thought it was Christmas. You're going to be nice. Oh, I am nice. A heathen king passed a law that you all, all have to go to your home city and be registered. Not only was there a heathen king passing these foolish laws, it was a hard, a difficult trip. From where they were coming from to Bethlehem is 70 miles. That's a hard trip. There was health issues on the way. A woman was nine months expecting. I'd like you to, this afternoon, if you could take the time and read these first seven verses, you'll see it all. The time was come that she should be delivered. She is riding an animal for 70 miles. The average perhaps about three or four miles a day. And she's riding on this animal. I can't comprehend that, but you ladies that have given birth can comprehend it. A heathen king, a hard road to travel, health issues, and then there's housing obstacles. We need a room to stay in, and there's no room. No room in any inn. And there's a barnyard. You do not give birth to a baby in a barnyard with animals and the smell of the stench. Everything would seem wrong. But you have to remember God said in Isaiah 7.14 and Isaiah 9.6, this is how it was going to happen. 700 years before it happened. And God said in Micah 5, 2, 700 years before it happened, this king is going to be born in Bethlehem in the city of David. And that's exactly in verses 1 through 7 where Jesus needed to be. God's, God's dealing with you right now to get you on board what he wants to do in your life. He uses obstacles, and I'm preaching on obstacles. He uses obstacles to do it. I've been ready to preach since Monday. In the early morning hours this morning, I was just pondering this church. My wife and I have such, and we have such admiration for you. This church, I think, could conquer anything. Why? This has been a church for almost 50 years of nothing but obstacles. We met 31 years on that property. 
We grew by a hundred a year for the first 26 years, every year by a hundred. It was one acre, 38 parking stalls. You were a member, you were not allowed to drive a car to park at church. You had to park at schools, at, at lots, and we'd pick you up and you had to ride shuttle buses. And yet we grew. We grew by 100, and then the next year by another 100, and the next year by 100. Five years of age, we were 500. Ten years of age, we were at 1,000 on 38. And why? Because this church said, never are we going to stop. And there's been issue after issue after 31 years. I prayed, you prayed with me. God, give us a 15-minute radio broadcast. 31 years, God was orchestrating it. I didn't see him orchestrated. I, I sometimes, sometimes I'd say to God about the, the property, Lord, maybe I'm probably not the right man. You're, you're looking for someone else. I'd like to stay here, but I can't move them off of one acre. How, am I, how can I pastor this church? We have to have multiple services in the morning. People come on Sunday night, and they, can't, they know they're not going to get in. They have to sit in other buildings, other parts of the buildings, and watch the service. For years that happened. But it kept growing. People kept coming. After 31 years, well, Moyer knows all this. I pray just a 15-minute broadcast. I will talk to my people every day. And after 15 years without making a phone call, we had not just the Internet, and that's right now we're in every country of the world on live stream and the radio 24 hours a day. Amen. But about 100 radio stations in one day's time, it just happened. You know what God was doing that entire time when, when I was so frustrated with my lack of ability to move the heart of God? God was moving. God was doing something. Here in this scripture, God is seeing fit that he's orchestrating a heathen king because the king's hand is in the hand of the Lord. The heart is in the hand of the Lord. I thought again as I was reviewing in my mind this morning, Mr. Biden's heart is in God's hand. And God turns it whether so we, we need Mr. Biden. I don't, like, I don't like any of his policies. Man's got problems. Mutilating children. Wanting to kill children like Herod did and like uh, uh, Pharaoh did. <laughs> hey, where are those boys? Getting quiet, and, uh, but uh, want to redefine marriage. We want to redefine male masculinity, female. Uh, we want to re redefine uh, athletes got, that, that were boys. Now they're girls, and they're going to compete against. You've got to be kidding me. Want to read? We want to have trans, transvestites coming in our schools and our libraries teaching. You've got to be kidding me. That's blasphemy to God. God's orchestrating something I don't see right now. My grandkids, perhaps great-grandkids are going to be the ones one day God gives us those. They're going to be the ones that are going to, we, we think they're going to get all this bad stuff. Maybe God's orchestrating something, Mordecai, Haman. Maybe God's orchestrating something for good. There's a man by the name of Joseph. I mentioned him last week. His brothers sold him into bondage. And lied to their dad for over 20 years. He said, oh, he was killed. They hated their brother. 
But what was God orchestrating? Well, Joseph, you're going to have to go to Egypt. And you're going to have to go to prison. And you're going to need to stay there for years. And you're going to get out and you're going to be raised to the second command in a foreign country. You're going to work for Pharaoh. And God's orchestrating it all. And one day his brothers stood before him and he said, is my father alive? All those decades, God was orchestrating something. Pharaoh says, all the Hebrew babies, if you're a male child and you're a Jew, kill them. Kill all the male baby boys, two years of age and under. Kill them. But one little lady gave birth to a son. She called his name Moses and put him in a basket in the bulrushes. Historians tell us that Moses is one of the, undoubtedly the, one of the most influential men in world history. Eight, uh, of eight men listed, he's one of those. All of our judicial system is based upon Moses' writing of the law. Judgeships is based upon what Moses did in the Bible. And here's in the bushes, and, 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 and Pharaoh's daughter sees him. And, and Pharaoh says, okay, don't kill that little guy. Bring him in and raise him in the palace. And pay a nurse to take care of him. She got a mother. You know what God was doing? It was Moses that was going to stand up to Pharaoh, another Pharaoh and say, let my people go. God was orchestrating something. God was orchestrating that Mary and Joseph had to get to Bethlehem because that's where the Savior was going to be born. And he had to come in, not on his regal robe and all this. He came in in the form of a baby. He humbled himself as a baby in birth and he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. That's what, uh, by the way, Elijah, God was orchestrating some things at Cherith. And then at Zarephath, God's putting it all together so he can have a contest with the heathen king and the 450 prophets of Baal and call down fire from heaven and said, there is a God in heaven. Our Lord always works. He's orchestrating everything. I have a song here that you know it. I remember the old Al Smith came here and he sang this. What though the way be lonely and dark the shadows fall, I know wherever he leadeth, my father planned it all. God's orchestrated everything. I sing through the shade and the sunshine. I'll trust him whatever befall. I sing for I cannot be silent. My father planned it all. There may be sunshine tomorrow. Shadows may break and flee. T'will be the way he chooses. My father's plan for me. He, he guides my faltering footsteps along the weary way. For well he knows the pathway that will end an endless day. Listen to this last stanza. A day of light and gladness on which no shade will fall. Tis this at last awaits me. My father planned it all. You know, the songwriter said a few pages back, at the right time, 
at the best time he came. I'm not one of these thinking it's all over for America because God's doing something. I don't know what he's doing. I can't figure it out. But I've never been able to figure it out. But in his time, in his time, he makes everything right and beautiful in his time. Brother Octavio is listening right now. This injury, I, the doctor was there. Yeah, I heard that uh, in ICU, I was with them. And, and here's the thing. Here's what happened. Yes, there's three arteries and a main artery was severed and they were able to put it back together. The doctor said this, unbeknownst to you, you had another artery that was completely blocked. He said, well, I don't have any pain. He said, yes, but if it would have been left undetected, you would have lost your leg. God orchestrated this for this man. I said, Doc, yes, tomorrow, yesterday, you won't believe, I'm preaching how God's orchestrated. God wanted that other vein to be rotor-rooted. And they took care of it. And potentially by the grace of God, he's not going to lose any leg. God, God knows what he's doing in your life, but I just have nothing but tears and sorrows and heartache. Yes, but trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct their place, thy path. Our, our Lord had no place to lay his head. He never owned a home. He never owned a grave. He borrowed a, a, a pillow. He borrowed a place to sleep. He borrowed a, a manger scene. He, he borrowed, he, 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 he had to borrow a, 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 a tomb to, to be buried in so he could rise from the dead. Never had anything. But he gave us everything. Amen. You've been so patient with me. Do you know... Too many people, when you get these obstacles, you get defeated and distracted. When God is trying to develop us and not destroy us, we've all been there. Why are you doing this to me, God? Why are you allowing this to me? I'm frustrated right now. But if we knew the hand of God, my Father planned it all. I sing through the shade and the sunshine. I'll trust him whatever befall. There's a, a man, you know his name. He was, his name was Beethoven. Beethoven lived in the 1600s, wrote so many beautiful, so much beautiful music. Beethoven was raised in a, in a home where his dad was a drunk. At age seven, he played a concert. At age seven, an accomplished concert. At age seven, he was the organist at the church in Cologne. He was an incredible musician. He went to, he went to uh, Vienna at age 15. Mozart, they said, Mozart, you have to hear this young man play. All this time, he's being raised 
in a drunkard's home. And his dad was not just a drunk. His dad was mean. He would beat him. He would get him up in the middle of the night and say, practice, practice, while he was in drunken stupor and made him practice till morning time when the sun was coming up. He's a very evil man. His mother was a very sweet lady. She guarded Beethoven. But at age 17, his mother died. His dad, prior to the death, saw that his son was so talented he could make money off him. And he'd hold concerts and he'd make him play and then the dad took all the money for drink. When his wife, Beethoven's mother died, when his wife died, he had all of her clothes removed and he sold the clothes so he could buy more booze. But God was doing something in Beethoven's heart. Brother Pustin, the hard thing to understand is at age 28, His ears started giving him trouble. He'd hear it humming constantly, driving him crazy, humming. The doctor said, Beethoven, you're losing your hearing rapidly, and soon you'll be deaf. He couldn't take it. My mother, dead, my dad, the drunk would beat me. I had to take my two little brothers, younger than me, and Mother died and I had to flee to Vienna. I'm trying to raise him as a 70-year-old boy and now 28, I'm, I'm going deaf. My whole life's been worthless. I, I, I know music. In Vienna, he learned every instrument to play. He knew every, how to play every instrument. He went to the woods. Spent two years by himself. Can't take it. God, what are you doing? Beethoven said this, in those two years, it seemed like every day, every tree was crying out, God has a plan for you. He said it was like God was speaking to me. Just look at those trees. He died at age 57, completely deaf. He wrote some of his greatest works. Think of this. You have to know music. To understand this, and most of you do, he, he, it, you, you need to hear the music, at your, the notes you put down. You need to know the, the first, the second, the third, the lead, the, the, the dissonant chords. You need to know the, uh, the, the inversion chords. You need to hear all of that and the movements and the runs and how it all goes. You've got to hear it. He wrote some of the greatest masterpieces, Death. The night came in Vienna. He's now in his 50s. It's the last time he had a public appearance. A full orchestra, huge orchestra was there. The master of the orchestra said, tonight you're going to have the privilege to be directed by Beethoven. He cannot hear. He has no idea if it's sounding good, but he knows how to lead you. The man has been prepared for this moment. An instrumentalist, if you will just watch him and follow him, he has it in his heart. He'll know where to bring you in. He can, he can see it. He can sense it. He'll know. He cannot hear it, but he'll know. Just follow your leader. 
He's been prepared for this moment. They said the crowd, when it was over, erupted. It was such a moving night. All that was there said they'll never forget it. You know what God was doing with his drunkard dad and the death of his mother and the raising of his brothers and going deaf? He left us great works. Uh, John Milton, Paradise Lost, they say in the 1600s, they say it's long, lengthy poem, but the struggle between Adam and Eve and Satan and Adam and Eve. They say it's the most uh, amazing work that's ever been met written in poetry. But he wrote it blind. And he said, I can see more through these blind eyes than I've ever been able to see before. Fanny Crosby, blind, and she gave us over 8,000 hymns. Why? Because God was orchestrating. Helen Keller could not hear, could not see. They said she was like a wild person. But Ann Sullivan came along and began to hold her hand. And though she could not see her, she could not hear her, she taught her, she taught her how to, to speak sign language. I don't know how you do it. I've tried to envision that. The late night hours sitting there figuring, how do you tell some this is the letter A? And what does A sound like? She's the only one lady. She, she's the, she was the first, and there's only been a couple that ever went to, to, to the, the uh, 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 laid to rest at the, uh, at the uh, rotunda in the Capitol. She lay right there when she died. She spoke before Congress. She moved crowds. You know what God's doing in your life that you don't understand today? He's orchestrating it. The man that wrote the song, I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus since I found in him a friend so kind and true. I will tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend can do. No one ever cared for, well, what did he Oh, he's a Baptist preacher in Sebring, Florida. And about 80 years ago, 90 years ago, his wife said, I have a five-year-old girl. I'm taking her. I'm done being a preacher's wife. I'm going to Hollywood and live the fast lane. I'm done with all this Christianity. She lived five years and died. He came to the brink of jumping off the bridge. He was so despondent. But he said, no one understands like Jesus. He wrote songs for us. Dr. Weigel became the chairman of the Tennessee Temple Schools and universities in Chattanooga, Tennessee, became a great preacher of the gospel after her death. The Weigel Hall there in downtown Chattanooga. What's God doing? I don't know why he's allowing these things, but he's orchestrating it for your good and for our good. There's so much more I wanted to say today. I think I'll close her down. My dad's business was never, we weren't millionaires. We weren't, we, we, it was just a, a little, he was 90% deaf in 1959, wasn't in the hearing aid business. He later became a great salesman, but he was with three partners, including my dad. And two of them became dishonest. And they lost the business. And two of the three walked away. My dad said, we created these bills, I'm going to pay them. And he lost his building, the first floor of a 12-story building. And he lost that business. 
we had a home that we owned and now we're renting a home. We had no money. I know my dad was always very clean and neat about himself, but he had no new shoes or no new clothes as a salesman. He wore a tie every day for 10 years. They lived poor. But you know what God was doing? My mother, I could, I could hear one day, I, I could hear in the room at night, my mom and dad praying, and I could hear her, my wall was right up against theirs and where I slept, and she was crying. I'd hear her cry at nights, never in front of his kids. I knew what she was crying over. I knew we were in trouble. I didn't know how much. God was orchestrating that their son was watching a dad and a mother never mess on God. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, tithing. I can remember watching my dad. He didn't see, I, I never told him this. I saw him put cardboard in the insoles of his shoes on the, on the soles so that he wouldn't be walking because the, shoe, the shoes, the soles wore out. Polished, clean. And I'm not talking about it was millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands. It was cheap. I mean, when I went to work, I started working at 90 cents an hour. So, you know, pay, I don't know, I think my dad got $75 a week. His previous job as a service writer at Chevrolet dealership. It was a lot of money then. God was orchestrating it that we had to live in a two-room rentals, just two rooms, two bedrooms. God was orchestrating that. God was orchestrating that I had to watch my parents live a hard, difficult life because God was preparing their son to be their pastor for 33 years. You've been so patient with me today on this Christmas Eve. I really come to you with a lot of hope today. I don't like all the things I hear that you're going through. I see a dear sweet man back here. I saw him while I was preaching. I was hoping you could make it to church today, but his health has been so bad he's here. One of my sweetest friends, I don't understand why he's going through those problems. But I do know that my father planned it all. God planned that Jesus was supposed to be born in Bethlehem, so he got him there. How did he get him there? Through a wicked king. And he's supposed to have a humble beginning. I think he got it. What's God orchestrating in your life today? Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.